With College Prep Genius, free college can happen to you. That's right. It's never too early to start thinking about test prep to secure your future. Imagine getting free tuition, room and board, free grad school, and more based on your SAT score. College Prep Genius is the key to free. This award-winning, nationally featured program teaches students the logic behind the SAT. You'll learn to answer every question in 30 seconds, raise your score as much as 600 points, and go to the college of your dreams for free. Visit College Prep Genius to know more. Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Jean Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome. everyone and welcome to the College Prep Genius Podcast. And today, um, this is episode 65. You can find the show notes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. And today we're going to talk about transcripts, credit grades, oh my, with Jean Burke. Welcome, Jean. Thank you. Yeah, so I I see your oh my exclamation point here. So um, what <laughs> are we... What are we talking about here? Um, what are some suggested credits for high school? Well, first of all, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'm on a couple of Facebook groups that are uh, families, you know, asking questions, you know, asking people how they navigate the, you know, the waters of high school. And one of the questions that I see a lot is, um, or one of the comments is, these uh, well-meaning parents or counselors or friends out there telling these homeschooling moms that, you know, your child won't get into college unless you have an accredited transcript, you know, what, what does that mean? Mommy accredited doesn't count kind of thing. Well, and you and I are living proof that that's not true and we can go into much more mm-hmm. than that. But I think when it comes to navigating the grades and, and, and credits and all, I think a lot of families don't, uh, know how to do that. And so, you know, I do have a lot of that information in my High School Prep Genius book. But I did want to talk about some of the, like you said, some of the suggested credits. Um, you know, I have that roadmap for success um, that you can, you know, download. If you if you go to collegeprepgenius.com forward slash roadmap, it's going to give you kind of a synopsis of, you know, you know, uh, of the what to do in each grade as well as the three-tier high school plan. And I think the three-tier high school plan is, is is really important that families, homeschooling families especially, have because it, it gives you a guideline of what are what are the suggested credits. And depending on the state that you live in, or even your own homeschool laws, probably the very minimum is going to be 23 credits. So that, again, that's a minimum, and of course there are three tiers. But and that would be something like four credits of English, or four credits of science, mathematics, three social studies, that sort of thing. So Again, you can certainly download the three-tier high school plan from, from that link I gave you. Uh, so keep, keep that in mind. Now, when you're looking at the three-tier high school plan, you know, you've got your minimum requirement, and then there's more your, your recommended, and then there's your distinguished. So one of the things when I do talk about the transcripts, 
at a lot of seminars I go to, you know, I, I do say, listen, um, shoot for the distinguished, you know, which could be somewhere between 27 to 29 credits. And, and if you don't quite make it, you know, certainly you'll fall into the recommended plan. So I think a lot of times you'll have a kid who doesn't know what they want to do after school and they just kind of want to get in and get out of high school and they might do that sort of that 23 minimum. And then all of a sudden they become a, you know, a senior and sort of that maturity kicks in and then they're going, Hey mom, you know, I'm thinking about being an engineer. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, Oh my gosh, I've got to squeeze another science or another math somewhere in there. And so I think that if you sort of anticipate your child and, and allow them to take the most rigorous courses that they can and the most credits possible, then you'll, you'll be already overprepared in case they spring something like that on you. And that's exactly what happened to me, and I didn't even tell you that. <laughs> Michael decided <laughs> this year he wanted to be an engineer. <laughs> oh, fun. Yes, I'm, he really should be an attorney because that's how his mind works, and he's taken a business law class, <laughs> which was the only one right. he yeah, well, he, it's the only one he, law class he could get into um, with his schedule, and he's acing that, you know, and really not. He He's a walking, talking encyclopedia now, business law. Like there's something that goes across the computer screen or the television screen, and he's he's quoting why that has to be there. <laughs> he's talking about consumer law, so it's it's really funny. Um, yeah, so, well, you okay. know, and he, so that was Well, important. he might be like my son, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, no, it's true. It's it's true. You know, my son graduated college, you know, worked in marketing and then, you know, decided the Lord wanted him to, you know, felt like the Lord wanted him to go to L.A., went out to L.A., became an actor, did a lot of TV and radio, I mean, TV and movies, uh, you know, some bit parts and, and then decided he hated acting and decided to go to law school. So, you know, four years later, <laughs> I mean, he got to do a great, a great thing, got to, you know, on his resume having you know, uh, being in some shows. And so, uh, and then decided to go to law school. Now, as you know, he's in a top 10% law firm in New York. So, you know, you never know, you know, you know, you're not set on something, you know, if he becomes an engineer and decides that maybe I can use that as a fallback and want to go to law school, hey, he may just do that. So good for him. That's right. Okay. So can you define a credit and how to award them to the student? Well, a credit, by its very definition, or it could be called a unit or maybe even a Carnegie unit, uh, these are all interchangeable uh, you know, uh, terms, uh, it's the measure, it measures the amount of time a student has spent on a particular course. So they, the credits themselves don't measure the quality of the work. That's what grades do. So as a homeschooler, and again, going back to your state, your laws, um, nationwide, a credit can equate anywhere between you know, 120 to 180 hours of work. So, you know, again, depending on the course itself. So the the, the beauty is um, you can determine your own family's credits. So it's something that, that you need to decide on, you know, how many hours, for example, of a classroom work will equate one hour or one credit. So let's assume five days a week your student spent 45 minutes on a certain class you know, equating to 180 days, that would equal to about 135 hours of work. So you could be sufficient in awarding them one credit in an elective course. Or, you know, again, you could break that down, assuming it was 60 minutes daily for 100 hour, 180, 180 days, which would be 180 hours per year. Again, maybe that could be efficient for awarding their credit in science. 
So it, it's important that you establish, you know, your, your how you're going to award the credit, and that way the rules, the kids are well aware of the rules, you know, in the beginning, so that you know they know they're well, you know, they're they're uh, on board with it. And now, and this is what's really cool about homeschooling. And again, one of the beauties of being flexible is, you know, there are, are several ways to evaluate credits. Obviously, a textbook, you know, the textbook approach, uh, where maybe the student completes the textbook by, let's say, something like Apologia or Bob Jones, and you know, you know, this high school textbook, verifying this by the author, the catalog, website, all that, covering all the materials. And let's say the author. And the educator agree that teaching 75% of a textbook would equate to one credit, okay? Well, a lot of people do that, and that's nothing wrong with that, you know. A credit can be awarded based on the total hours spent on a course. So this kind of works well with any kind of unit study or maybe any kind of electives. Uh, you know, again, you don't have to be legalistic and keeping track of every single minute, but let's say, generally speaking, 50 minutes a day, five days a week for 180 days uh, would be considered one credit. You know, if, you know, you could log in the hours. That's one way you can do it. Um, maybe your kids do music. I know we awarded our kids credit for, for piano and dance and, you know, guitar and drums or whether they're taking a sewing class. So working on your Eagle Scout, you know, could be considered, you know, some kind of project management class so that you can put on your transcript. Uh, keep in mind you can combine related experience you know, whether it's partly, you know, classroom, partly like ballet, partly, uh, you know, rehearsing at home, you know, over a period of time. So, um, your college classes, of course, as we talked about in, in, under dual credit in early college can be considered a college credit for your high school, for the high school transcript. Um, I think another thing, again, another beauty of homeschooling is that we can also, uh, award credit on demonstrated expertise. So let's say um, you had a student who loves horses and you can create, you know, maybe they, their job for your family is to, you know, wash and bathe the horses or shoe the horses or, or exercise them. You know, you can create your own, uh, you know, equestrian class. You know, again, that can apply to baking. It can apply to sewing, um, carpentry work. So, again, you know, how, you know, record keeping is, is important, um, but, again, the beauty is, as homeschoolers, we can be very flexible. We did this a lot with our kids, and when mm -hmm. they did certain things, um, we were able to make a class out of it. Yeah, and you can, and, and you, you can also, I, I'm going to add, because I had some very determined children, and so with one of my children, who's now a homeschool mom, um, she, I had a contract with her. Like she had to do certain things to get an A, to get a B, and to get to get a C, because she would try to talk me out of things. <laughs> you don't really want me to write that paper, Mom, because just think you're going to have to read it and then grade it, and then we're gonna have to go over it and probably have to rewrite it. So you really don't want to do that, do you? <laughs> yes, I still do. <laughs> she should be the so, lawyer. <laughs> all right, she should have been. Um, so it, it was amazing because that took all of the stress away from me, and then she could see what she had to do for that. So I think it's great. Like, she got credit for writing. We wrote three novels together um, while she homeschooled that we actually published, and they're still available, although, you wow. know, they, they need to be updated. But, yeah, she got credit for writing the novels because she spent so much time writing and researching, and they were um, – 
based on anthropology and archaeology. And so, you know, we did a science credit for that, that so that she could do the research she needed for the book. So it is. It's wonderful. And, you know, I always say that part of being homeschooled is to give them experiences that they wouldn't necessarily get in the classroom. And so I love that you, you know, you did that as well. Um, and then also, you know, if you're going on a trip, right, Jean, you can, you know, log that as, you know, part of whatever it is you're studying. Absolutely. I, I, I love it. I think, you know, when, you know, as one of the oppositions that you often hear from people who are non-homeschoolers will say, well, are, are, aren't your kids getting it all? Aren't you worried about them getting it all? And you're kind of thinking they get more than all. They get so much more. Mm-hmm. I mean, both my kids graduated with 44 credits because we just kept adding more and more classes. And they had the beauty of being able to add on more and more things as, as, as opposed to be limited to maybe a school day of four or five classes and that's all you have. And so, that, again, you know, there's, there's such flexibility and such uniqueness to, to homeschooling. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's a great and, – and, and the beauty of tailoring it to your own child who may yeah. not, you know, do well under one type of curriculum, you're able to, you know – be able to find something that works best for them. So, which you, again, you don't have that luxury at school because it's kind of a one size fits all. And that's the other thing. We did that with our, um, our literature classes. We did, we called one uh, world literature and then one um, American literature. And so we, I got to help pick the books that they were going to read. And a lot of them were really good, strong Christian novels. And so that was, you know, really a fun class that they took, and I enjoyed reading the books along with them, and there was great discussion. And then we even had groups of other friends that were also reading the books, and we had, you know, group discussions with them. So that worked out really well. So, yeah, don't think you have to be stuck to a curriculum, um, but make sure that, you know, you do – um like I, I loved the one thing that my takeaway from – um, actually, it was the last podcast we did, but, well, and this one, too, about having um, a rigorous curriculum and also, you know, shooting for the distinguished because it's easier to fall back, like you said, but it's not it's not as easy to get ahead. And so, you know, we're, we're doing a little bit of, of that this summer, like Mike's going to take um, an extra class this summer. I don't know if he's going to take calculus or trig because he didn't plan to take all these big math classes because he didn't think he needed them. So he, you know, he changed his major. So, um, you know, and and even if he just gets the experience taking the class and has to retake it, that's okay because then he'll have that experience under his belt. So um, that's really good. All right. Right. Um, Absolutely. All right. Grade scale. And this is another one I had to let my kids know very firmly what it would be. Um, But I have to also say we didn't do a lot. uh, That's where the contract came in with the things, like, that we created together. You know, like you were saying, like, the kids took a speech class, and so they got a credit for that. And it was they did it with Toastmasters, which is an organization here in town. I highly recommend it if you have one in your area because, uh, they took the kids under their their wings, and they're older. A lot of older people out here, so they they loved it. 
but I also had to give them a scale of for an A, this, this, and this. So tell me what your scale is and what, what some of the requirements would be. Well, and it's really important that you uh, obviously pretty much uh, let your kids know off the bat that this is our scale. Like you said, like I think a, a good one, and the, the one that we personally use and we made sure that you have to make sure it's on your transcript as well, is that we did something that was along the lines of 90 to 100 would be your A, 80 to 89 would be your B, 70 to 79 would be your C, and 60 to 69 would be your D. So establishing your standards ahead of time is important, and then communicating that standard to your team that this is the way it is. Just because we're homeschooling, we're not just going to, you know, give you an A. We might teach the A, but we're not just going to give you an A. So, you know, with that in mind, if your kids take a lot of outside classes, which, of course, many times homeschoolers are sort of parent-directed to other classes or outside classes, is, you know, you can, you know, somehow use that even that same level for them, you know, outside the home. You know, you can adopt the same the scale for all your courses. You can convert the scale to your score, um, or you can even omit the scale off any official documents and, you know, have to explain those. But you know, if if they have a good idea of what your grade scale, because you might be 90 to 100, but your kid might take a, a co-op class where there is 93 to 100, you know, and then so all of a sudden they get a 92, which in your home would be an A, at the co-op class that's considered a B. So I think, again, you can you can either adopt your own scale, uh, you know, or adjust however. So, so, so keep that in mind. And it's just got to be very communicated very openly to the kids so that they, that they're, you know, they're aware of it, and, and they're, they know that we're not going to deviate for, you know, if you didn't turn your papers in and that's a zero, that's a zero. You know, you, you knew. You know, just because I'm mom and we're at home, you know, it still means it stands. And, again, it's setting them up for success later on down the road that nothing's given to you. You know, this, right. this is not all about you. So very, very important. And they, they won't do it again. You know, Mike forgot to turn in. That's right. Because when Annie was here, she kept everybody on track and on task and everything else, and uh, he forgot to turn one in. He thought it was the next day, and and he actually had it done. He She expected it printed out, so that just threw him <laughs> because everybody wants it uploaded. You know, like I was talking to my daughter, and she's going, yeah, I got everything submitted, and it's Sunday. They expect everything submitted by Sunday night. And that's so foreign. So anyway, this teacher expected it printed out, and it was the first class. And, of course, everyone, you know, I don't know. He said, I I actually looked at it and thought I should put it in my backpack, and he didn't. And she wouldn't take it. So Mm. I said, you know. That was the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That's right. Right? That nudged him to do it. But he still got an A in the class. But, uh, yeah, but he never did that again. You know, it was done. It was in his backpack. So, um, it only right. has to happen once, and then the kids learn. Um, you know, and that, and that just comes from the whole, you know, we try to save our kids, because I know I'm a big one for that. Um, so yeah, difficult, difficult to watch it happen. Okay, and then what are some possible grading standards? Well, you know, again, every family is different, but establishing, you know, standards uh, can actually help accentuate your child's strengths. Um, just setting the standards ahead of time and making sure you stick to them the whole year. Uh, so let's talk about ways, one way to do it. One, for example, you could have your grading standards that the grades are based on, let's say math, for example, 
one-third of your grade will come from tests, one-third will come from daily work, and one-third will come from your final exam. Now, again, this is your own standard, whatever that ends up being, but just set it and, and, and keep it. Um, it could be that um, maybe in history half of the grades come from the reading and half come from reports. Or let's say um, in your fine arts class, half of it can come from performance and the other half can come from your daily practice. So it's taking the class, whatever class your student is is participating in, because it may not be just your basic Bob Jones textbook where you have a workbook and you have certain uh, tests and all that's kind of all laid out for you it may be something other that you're more eclectic in and that you're kind of combining a few things together so coming up with here's where the majority of your you know your grade is going to come from or know that one-third of your grade is going to come from your daily work or from the final exam so I think just setting it ahead of time and then conveying that to your kids um, you know, for elective courses, you know, you know, which don't lend themselves to testing or quizzes, you might simply want to give them a pastel grade, you know, on the, the attainment of the goal set for the class. Of course, you know, pastels are not calculated into your grade point average. Um, we did that a lot of at co-ops. We did a lot of, uh, like I did yearbook class or I did softball or I did, you know, I taught a, you know, a calligraphy class or something. And, you know, I would very often have a pass-fail you know, if you came if you came to class, if you participated in the class, and if you, um, you know, you did the homework and all, then of course you you passed. So, again, the beauty of being able to tailor it to your own child, I think, is great. You know, um, and, and then you know, recording your grades. I think the thing too is, you know, knowing how to record your grades. There are some free forms. If you go to DonnaYoung.org online, you can actually find some free forms. Um, that will help you to record the grades. And I think that's, you know, especially for those of us who aren't very organized, those, those are great. Um, uh, HSLDA have very low-cost rec- recording sites uh, that will help you out. But there's so many things out there nowadays. Lee Benz has things. My friend Janice Campbell has some things on, you know, transcripts. And also uh, the beauty of homeschooling in today's society is there's so much out there and so much to choose from so you don't, have to want for, you know, anything that's going to help you. There's so many, so many guides out there. So right. I think that it, the help is just, you know, amazing. Yeah, we also have uh, the Homeschool High School podcast on our network, and um, she actually will uh, work with families if they want help on doing transcripts. So that's kind of cool if you're just freaking out and need to talk to somebody who can help you. Um, that's Vicki Tillman, and and she's really great. Um, so, and she's a, a graduated. That's what we are. We're graduated homeschool moms. Although I'm not quite graduated till Michael graduates this year. <laughs> so, then I'll be officially. <laughs> yeah, over Christmas I was trying to get him to read some books, and he's like, "Mom, I'm on break." I said, "Yeah, you're on school break, but you're not on homeschool break. <laughs> so you're dual <laughs> enrolled." So, and he did. He. He he read one. He had, would you believe he had never read the um, the uh, cross and the switchblade? So I thought that's required oh, reading for all high good. schoolers. It's a really good book. It really shows about God's love. True. All right, it does. okay, it does. it's a good one. So transcript and the need to have one. So I can tell you, um, you can answer this question. Every college that we apply for. 
uh, wanted a transcript, and we had to send it to them. So colleges mm-hmm. will require it, and then they will they want because some of his credits from college are on the transcript, and then they got a separate one sent from the college he's attending for the dual enrollment. So how um, how important um, is it on you know out there just to have one? I mean, you should have one whether or not you're going to college. Exactly. Well, and, and it's so much more than just college. Um, you know, mm-hmm. to for us as homeschoolers and homeschooling moms, it says to our kids, here is a record of your accomplishments. You know, it's a, it's a concise and accurate record of their academic courses that were completed during the high school years. So it gives them a sense of, you know, confidence of I did something and I, I completed it. Um, but more than just going to college, which certainly you need a transcript are, um, what, what a transcript does in a nutshell is not only does it validate your high school work and that it's been completed, but it also can highlight special accomplishments that your child, you know, was involved in or that participated in, like awards and various things. Um, definitely besides being required for college admission, it's actually required for military acceptance. So you're definitely yeah. going to have to have it if you plan on maybe taking that route. Um it's actually necessary for a lot of entry-level employment jobs. Uh, if you're going to be any kind of taking any kind of technical training, you need a transcript. Uh, any internships, you, you're going to need a transcript. Um, I mean, later in life, you may need something for some other unknown reason. Um, but it does serve as an annual report card or a summary of what your child has done. So I think homeschoolers, probably more so than anybody, need that sort of paper, that something that's written out that says, yes, I did this, I did the work, I got the grade, you know, here's here's where I'm at. And I think all of us need that. Uh, it, it does keep us on track to say, yes, I did take four years of English, of some kind of English or math, you know, and, you know, I can look back and, you know, be able to say, well, I did, you know, I, I did participate in electives or things. So it's definitely good, especially for our homeschool students. Okay, and then how do you calculate GPA? You know, GPA, that's always the the buzzword, you know, when people talk about, well, I've got a 4.0 or 4.2 or whatever. Well, the dictionary defines um, GPA, grade point average, as a method of computing a numerical value for letter grades received in school by assign, assigning each a numeric value and averaging the numbers. And so, you know, you've got your yearly GPA, you've got your cumulative GPA. Uh, so um, let's talk about, you know, bo- both types and, and how to calculate a yearly GPA. Basically, you, you're going to assign, you know, a grade, a letter grade to a point. So, for example, let's say every A you get, you get, you give them four points. Every B is a three point, C is a two point, and a D is a one point. So, you know, you're going to ultimately multiply the points by the number of credits the course earned. Um, So, for example, if a student received an A in algebra, which earned her one credit, you're going to multiply that four points by one, which is, of course, going to give you four points. So, or if a student received a B in PE and earned her a half a credit, then you're going to multiply the three uh, times one one half, which of course is going to give you 1.5. So you keep on doing that for each course, uh, for each you know each school uh, each school course, and then you total it up 
uh, for the courses in a year and divide by the total of credits earned that year. And, of course, that's your GPA for that year. So um, you can see how that over a period of four years comes out to your total uh, GPA. So the yearly GPA, again, you're going to take your converted letter points, do the exact same thing, um, total up all your points and your credits. Um, and let's say you came up with 23.5 total points uh, divided by the seven total credits that would make your GPA a 3.36. So in the course, if you gave a pass fail grade for any of your courses, um, for the, it could be included in the sum of the credits shown on the high school trans, transcript, but not used in the course computing the GPA. So you'll need to subtract any pass fail credits out of the total number. Um, but it's really a matter of, you know, accumulating that over every year. So to get a 4.0, obviously that's going to mean you're going to be have to get an A in every grade to get that one credit. So, you know, I was I taught at a school down in Spring, Texas. It was a, it was a Christian school, but the one young man that came from a, a nearby public school said that their school gave 5.0s. You know, again, <laughs> how would someone from a 4.0 be able to compete with a school at a 5.0? Again, that was just mm-hmm. the school, and again, that's why you use your SAT scores. So. For that, but right. calculating the cumulative GPA is obviously taking calculating the total points for all the school years and dividing them by the amount of years. So, you know, if you've got seven credits in ninth grade and five in tenth grade and so forth, you would add them all up to the very end and divide it certainly by the uh, the credits to get your GPA. So, you know, it's, it's just basic adding and subtracting, uh, adding and dividing to come up with your GPA. Okay, weighted and unweighted. That's not here in the notes, but that drives me crazy. What does that exactly mean? That actually, and and I have more about that in my High School Prep Genius book, but that actually has to do with whether your child took more advanced classes like AP classes because obviously you're going to get more weighted credits on a a harder class because your student could have a 4.0 and they took the easiest classes there are, and then the guy down the mm-hmm. street, his student could have a 4.0, and they took all AP classes or honors right. classes. Okay. So that's what it has to do with. So, Yeah. Okay. Because that's why for the college courses, the kids got weighted, so more difficult than just if you were taking it in high school. Exactly. All exactly. Right. You know, again, you know, I mean, that's why colleges can't compare students fairly if they look the same on paper. They have to have some kind of determining factor, some something that levels a playing field. So where do people start? How do they get started with all of this? Well, the beauty of homeschooling is that if you're like me and you're not the best record keeper, um, you can jump in there anytime and, and, and you know, create the transcript and, and adding in the credits and the grades. Um, but ideally it would be great to start thinking about, you know, planning in, even in the eighth grade using some kind of master planner form or some kind of template. Uh, and, and I think it's important to get your student involved in the planning. I mean, you and I remember going to high school and being able to choose our classes and choose maybe mm-hmm. in, in some cases even choosing our teachers. So in, in that case, sometimes they don't get that much of a choice because of us or any outside classes. Um, but allowing them to, you know, pick some classes that they want to take besides your basic cores that you have to take. And so 
I think that's really important. Letting them take ownership of the plan is also going to help them even be more motivated. So, you know, comparing the admission requirements and any kind of state laws that, you know, you may be in is very important. Um, determining your team's interest. You know, if they're already set on going to college, you kind of already know that. You know, I talked about this earlier, kind of setting them on more of that distinguished plan. Um, even if they're not, I think sometimes the, Sometimes it just takes a little bit of maturity to kick in. You know, I've had students take my my SAT class and and come back maybe a year or two later and say, you know, Mrs. Burke, I took your class a couple of years ago, and you know, I really didn't really care, didn't do what you said, and but now all of a sudden I realize that I do want to go to college and I do want to get a certain degree, and I, now I'm really serious. So even if they don't show maybe a lot of, you know, uh, concern about certain things, kind of take some assumption that. Maybe they are going to go to college or even if they go in the military, you know, you want to certainly display a certain transcript, uh, their academic abilities as well as, you know, a good test score. So kind of, kind of, you know, assume that because, you know, kids, you know, when they say youth is wasted on the wrong people, sometimes they don't know <laughs> what they want to do, which is okay. Um, so we can kind of help them along a little bit, you know, and I think work some of their interests into the plan. You know, you know, my daughter being a ballerina, and also doing Irish dance, you know, we were able to, like we like we talked about earlier, just add those in as, as a class, giving credit for the workouts and the practicing and, and the performances and all. Uh, definitely be on top of it and try to, you know, update your plan, re- revisit it, see what's working, what's not working. Um, and, and, of course, definitely, you know, adding test prep in there um, because if they are going into the military or college or they're going to need to take some tests and you don't want – to them to be like the average student that I sadly have to talk with who've been told to wait till the end of the junior year when they're already so busy to now add in test prep. So definitely want to incorporate that in because it it can be an elective. It can be. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we are out of time and we are going to be talking about a new test that's in town, the CLT. And if you want to hear that, look for podcast 66. I'm going to leave them Leave them hanging. Thanks so much, Jean, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius radio show. You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes, on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com for more information, and we'll see you soon.